Hello and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're really glad that you decided to join us today. Whether you're a member, attend regularly, or this is your first time with us, we want to let you know we appreciate you. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Amen. You can grab a seat. Uh, Well, good morning. Welcome to Journey Queens, if we haven't had a chance to meet. Uh, My name is Bobby, I'm the pastor here at Journey Queens, Uh, and we have such a packed house today, which is awesome. I hope everyone's been able to get out and enjoy the weather. If you're uh, joining us on Journey Queens Online, welcome as well. Uh, Well, we are in the middle, uh, in week three of a teaching series called Plan A, taking a look at God's plan to redeem our world. We open this series talking about how it just seems like in our culture today, we have, we see more and more evil. It, it feels like, especially in uh, the place our country is in right now and, and how much political turmoil and, uh, you know, the gun control issue and how many crazy shootings we're seeing and just such pain that our country and our world is experiencing. We talk about, we, we've talked about how it seems like that evil just has no bounds, that it just keeps getting worse and worse. And how do we, as believers wrap our minds around a faith that says that God wants to redeem our world. Because it seems impossible to us. It seems, as we are the ones without the plan, like it is an impossibility, but really God is at work. We've been taking the unique opportunity during the series to go through the book of Jonah, uh, whereas most of the prophets in scripture were following the message of the prophet. The prophet of God is going to a nation or going to Israel and is proclaiming a message. The book of Jonah, although that is happening, the main character we're really following is Jonah himself. And we're watching as he wrestles this inner turmoil of what we see in the book of Jonah. And if you, you missed over the last couple of weeks, a quick recap, we have Jonah, who is a part of Israel. He's a prophet of God. And then you have this country of Nineveh, the city Nineveh, which is known for its evil. It, it has found creative ways to be evil. And often the Israelites are on the foot end of their murder, on the foot end of, of their uh, tribal Uh, overtaking as they find smaller tribes and overtake them and it's pillaging and and raping the women and murdering the women and there are just findings from archaeologists that show that this is one of the more evil civilizations that we had seen in mankind and the Israelites were often the target and yet as we see in the book of Jonah God asks Jonah to go to Nineveh and to proclaim that their evil is, is very evil. It has found God, God's eyes. He has seen it, and he's calling them away from evil and calling them to himself. Jonah decides, even though he is a prophet of the Lord, he is going to ignore God's call, and he's going to run the opposite direction. He attempts to run from God. He doesn't want to give the Ninevites a chance. He wants God to destroy them. He does not like them, understandably so. And in Jonah 1, Jonah tries to run from God. He ends up on this boat that, that is in unbelievable turbulent seas. Uh, and he is thrown overboard, swallowed by a large fish. 
And then in Jonah 2, we see the prayer of Jonah as he's praying from the belly of this fish. I'm sure he wrote it later on, but the prayer that he had prayed in the belly of the fish. And then as we take our eyes to chapter 3, the end of chapter 2 says that the Lord directed the fish to spit Jonah up on dry land onto the beach. And so we'll pick up that story here in chapter 3. But what I think is interesting about chapter 3, it keeps it simple as we dive into it. There's really three main characters. We have God, we have Jonah, and we have the Ninevites. And as we're going to take a look at, Jonah, chap Jonah chapter 3 is where we really see, in my opinion, the best view of this plan A that God has to redeem the world. And it's a simple view of it. It can branch out and be more intricate. But I think at the heart of it, we see it in chapter 3. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to just give this to you here on the screens and then we'll jump in. God's plan A, as he redeems our world, God calls us in and shows us mercy. Then he asks for our help as he calls another in and shows them mercy. God calls us in and shows us mercy. And then he asks for our help as he calls another in and shows them mercy. Uh, th these two parts that we see in Jonah chapter 3, really throughout the entire book of Jonah, God's calling and God's mercy. I want to talk about these today. First, uh, God's calling. Uh, I actually remember I, I wanted to share the story uh, of how I got uh, to New York, how I ended up moving to the city. It, for me, very much felt like a call of God situation. It felt something that I was called to uh, I was born here in the city. I was born in the Bronx. Uh, both my parents were born and raised in the city, long generations of New Yorkers. And then my uh, parents, when I was younger, moved us upstate to Poughkeepsie. So I grew up in Poughkeepsie, a couple hours up the Hudson River. And then when I was 15, my family moved down south. We lived in Florida for about six and a half years. And then I lived in Atlanta for about six and a half years. And then I came had a chance to come back and moved back to New York, and I moved back here uh, originally to Queens. My wife and I are kind of in Brooklyn now. Uh, but the, the story of how I got back uh, through the years really felt almost like this God-calling situation. You see, because when I left New York, I knew of God. I would say I had a relationship with God, but it wasn't growing. I just knew of God as Savior. Jesus had died for my sins. I, I believed that. I knew I was forgiven but there really wasn't much of a relationship after that. And then when I moved to Florida, I got plugged in with a really great church that my family still attends almost 18 years later. Uh, and they, they have an unbelievable youth ministry. And I was in high school at the time, and it really captured my heart. Uh, and it really drew me into the presence of God. And I began to learn about a relationship with God. And, and it was in this beginning stage about, I guess this would be almost 20 years ago now, that I, I began to have this poking in my heart. What if I brought this real faith back to New York? What could God do with this interactive, growing personal relationship I found if I lived in New York with this? What could he do with that? That was the original thought. 
Well, a few years later, uh, I was doing an internship in Atlanta with a student ministry, actually. I, from the time of high school moving on, I felt God called me into ministry. It was a path I wanted to pursue, and uh, I was on a mission trip here from Atlanta. We had taken a group of students from Atlanta here, uh, and I was on uh, I was on a train passing Yankee Stadium, and as a big Yankees fan, I was looking out, and I was like, that is amazing. Maybe one day I live here. Maybe one day I move back to this city. Maybe that's something God has for me. And right at that moment, a good friend of mine who was also an intern, uh, he looked at me, and he was like, I'm going to live here one day, and I think you're going to come and live here too. I was like, yeah, okay, this was about 2011, so quite some time ago, uh, and wouldn't you know it, uh, that friend of mine ended up moving to New York just about a year before I did, uh, but that's a side part of the story. But that kind of poked in my mind, I felt God almost calling, it was something almost like a sticky Velcro-y thought in my mind, it just kind of stuck, this Velcro, what if I move back? And then a few years later, two or three years later, I had a good friend of mine from New York actually move down to Georgia, uh, and he moved in with me down there for a few months. And the very first night he was there, we were celebrating just our friendship. We hadn't seen each other in years. It was just a beautiful, beautiful moment, talking about childhood times we had in New York. And, and we were sitting around just a fire, like a campfire, and I just had that thought. It just popped up out of nowhere. What if God's going to bring me back to New York one day? And then out of nowhere, because it wasn't the conversation we were on, my friend, who at the time wasn't a believer, said, man, I never really say this, but I feel almost pressed to tell you that I feel like you're going to be back in New York someday. And it hit me. I lost my breath like a, a, a truck. Just this sense that over the years I had felt God poking at something, and here it was so many years later still coming about. And I had no idea what that might be, but I tucked it away. Three years later after that, I found myself in New York uh, for a friend's wedding, and I found myself just ruminating on this city and thinking about this city that I was born in and that my family was from. I had just gone through a crazy transition of my own where I had lost my first job in ministry. Uh, I had, had gotten let go from that job. I had been on the tail end of a breakup. It was one of those seasons where my world was just collapsing. And in the middle of this, I had an opportunity to go up on a trip to New York. And as I was in the city, just an overwhelming flood of now's the time. Look at the transition in your life. Now is the time where you're going to move back to New York. And within seven months, I had the opportunity. I took a job at uh, The Journey uh, in the Manhattan location uh, with Pastor Carrick Thomas, who was over there. I ended up meeting my wife at that location, ended up having experience in that job that has allowed me to be here today. Without that job, there's no question I could have been here today with you guys. And so as I look through my story of this crazy feeling of a calling, it really got me thinking that how often God calls us. Sometimes it's a big move. Sometimes it's sell everything you have. I want you to move to this area or this part of the world. There are missionaries who feel called by God to go to third world countries and invest in them and live in them and be a part of the people's culture as they minister the gospel. But God's calling can also look slightly different. It can look less intense. God could be calling you 
to go talk to a coworker at, at your job that you have not interacted with before. God could be calling you to drop a habit that you've had in your life for, for maybe your whole life, maybe so long, and you feel like God is kind of calling you to let that go, to drop that. Maybe God is calling you to end a relationship in your life, to, to part ways with somebody. Maybe he's asking you to apologize and help bridge the gap in that relationship. Maybe he's just simply calling you to pray for someone, and that alone is a big enough challenge for you. And you, you struggle with that, but you feel like God wants you to pray for that person. We're going to talk about what a calling looks like. Because sometimes it, it comes off as this mystified, we have to hear from God in the breakthrough of the clouds, and we know that we know, and God is confirming, much like my story, it just seems like this insane story that you just can't miss. But really, what the calling of God is, is any time that we find God drawing us in. As he draws us into a relationship with him, as he draws us into a moment as he draws us into an intense situation that maybe we don't even want to be in. It's a trial. It's something that came out of nowhere. And yet God's calling is calling us in saying, hey, I'm here. I'm not void of this. You're not going through this alone. I'm calling you into this. I'm calling you into this moment with me. We're going to go through Jonah chapter 3. It's only a few verses. So we're just going to read through it completely. And then we're going to break down this plan, God's plan A of calling and mercy. If you're following along Jonah chapter 3, uh, I am reading, uh, I believe this is out of the ESV version today. Verse 1 in chapter 3, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. He actually listened this time. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth, so it would take you three days to walk through this city. Jonah began to go into the city, going only a day's journey. So he had just begun going through the city, proclaiming this message, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh, here's where the story turns in a direction that the audience and Jonah at the time may not expect. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. In verse 6, the word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne. He removed his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes, which was a, a practice of that time of mourning, of repentance, of stripping yourself of whatever you're repenting of and making a declaration to God. Verse 7, and he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And verse 10 says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, 
God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. You see, in this story, in this part of the the story of Jonah in chapter 3, we see not only God's mercy in the fact that he relented of the anger he was about to pour out on the city of Nineveh for evil, but we also see God's mercy in the very first verse when it says that God called Jonah a second time. You see, we see God's calling both to Nineveh and to Jonah, and we see God showing mercy both to Nineveh and to Jonah. And the very first point I want to make with that is that God has mercy for all. God has mercy for the individuals in our world that we may think don't deserve it. God has mercy for the people in your life that you don't have mercy for. God has mercy and love and compassion for the people in your life that you would say will never believe in God, would never do good in their life, would never pursue truth and honesty. God has compassion for that individual. And then from that individual all the way down the scale, whoever you would put on that scale, right to you and I. See, God has mercy on us And he doesn't call us without giving us mercy. See, your calling may have looked a little different. All of our callings may have looked different. We have come to find God in a different way. Maybe you're here today, and this is one of the first interactions you're ever having with God. It's one of the first times you're ever at church. You really have no idea what this is. Well, I personally personally believe that God called you here today. I think there was a drawing of his spirit that drew you here. Or maybe you've had a relationship with Jesus for years, decades even. Maybe you you barely remember when that relationship started because you were so young when that was. Well, at some point in your family line, God called someone to him. And maybe you had the privilege and the blessing of being raised in a home that knew Christ. But even still along your adult journey, there was a point where God called you. He called you into a personal relationship. He called you away from just doing the right things and into this relationship with him that was real and tangible. You see, this calling sometimes we're aware of and we step into. Other times we just find ourselves in it. But the calling of God is when he draws us in. And it's an individually based thing. See, God isn't calling every person here to pack up their stuff, move to another city, and become a pastor like he did myself. That may not be your calling. And I couldn't tell you what your calling was. But scripture tells us that we're given the Holy Spirit. We're given the Spirit of God that lives within us, that helps us to discern right from wrong, that reminds us of good, and helps us to discern this sense of calling the sense of where we're going, the sense of what does God want from my life. I I said it earlier, but I feel like when we know we're being called, it's that Velcro-type thought. It's that thought in our mind, at least for myself, that kind of sticks just a little longer. 
I, I have a couple neighbors in the neighborhood that I live in that I've gotten to know over time, and I just go over and I'll say hi to them as I'm passing by, or I'll take an uh, elderly gentleman to the store if he needs. But the, as an example of this, this Velcro thought, this past week I was uh, just coming home from the store, walking by one of my neighbors who hadn't even noticed me, and I had this thought like, hey, go say hi, check in with him. And I kept walking because it was just a fleeting thought. But then the thought, again, kind of stuck, like Velcro. It's like, hey, go check in with him. See how he's doing. And that was, for me, how I kind of sensed, like, maybe this is God. Maybe this is God inviting me into this moment. For you, maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's somebody that you've not talked to or you've not had much interaction with. But God keeps laying them on your heart. They just keep popping into your mind. You don't quite know why. It's like a Velcro thought that keeps sticking. And maybe that's God saying, hey, go befriend that person. Go say hi. Go strike up a conversation. Maybe it's the thought of something you did wrong that you maybe got away with. And you had no need to apologize. But God keeps bringing it back to your mind. It's like, hey, that wasn't quite right. It wasn't filled with integrity. It's not how I want you to live I'm going to give you an opportunity to make that better. Go apologize. You know, brush it off like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. It's, it's the moment's over. But maybe that thought keeps sticking. Maybe God keeps pushing in. And it's like, hey, I'm calling you. Go apologize. Go make that right. Maybe it's to reach out to somebody you haven't talked to in a while. Maybe it's to change jobs or change careers. Maybe it's to move out of the place you're in into downsize into a smaller place for financial reasons. Maybe it's upgrading because your family has grown and there's fear in what it'll be to have to spend the money to live in a larger place. Maybe it's leaving the city altogether. Maybe it's taking an elderly parent in with you and, and choosing to have them in your home through the rest of their years. There are so many scenarios that we have to navigate that we're given the Holy Spirit to navigate of God calling us into a moment and inviting us into the work he's doing. Because again, church... God's plan A to redeem the world is to call you in, show you mercy for your flaws, your failures, your shortcomings, the things that you think would disqualify you from following God and doing his work. He draws you in, he draws us in through his calling, and he shows us mercy so then we in turn can help with those around us who God is calling in so he can show them mercy. You see, and it seems like this is just a small thing. How can God redeem the entire world through this? But you see, when we step out of our comfort zone and our protection of making sure we're safe and comfortable, and we step into this kingdom work, we step into this light that often calls us out of our comfort zone, that often calls us out of our normal routine, that often calls us out of our five-year plan and our 10-year plan and our 20-year plan. And it says, if you trust me, I have an entire life that is so much better. It's going to be better for you. It's going to be better for everybody around you. And it's going to be better for this world. But you have to trust me with it. God is calling us. He's drawing us in saying, do you trust me with your life? And church, we cannot do this perfectly. <laughs> Do not hear this as a one big call that God is inviting you in and you have this chance to respond or not. See, the calling of God is consistent 
and it cannot be taken away. We see in Romans chapter 11, Paul is addressing uh, the non-Jewish believers right after Jesus. It's in the beginning of uh, the, the apostles' ministry right after Jesus. And he's talking to the non-Jewish believers in this passage about uh, coming to know faith and coming to know God, which previously was reserved almost just for the Jewish individuals. And in Romans 11, he says, many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news. And this benefits you, Gentiles. Me, we are Gentiles in this conversation. Anybody who is a non-Israelite at the time would be considered a Gentile. And yet... They are still people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. Now they are the rebels and God's mercy has come over to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. For God has imprisoned everyone, imprisoned everyone in disobedience so he could have mercy on everyone. This passage is telling us so much. It's telling us we don't have an opportunity to not be disobedient. We can grow in it, but we weren't born with an opportunity to not mess up, to not find flaw, to not find mistake. See, this last verse tells us in, in a way God has bound us. He's imprisoned us into this sense of needing mercy, the sense of disobedience. We are attached to this world with sin. We cannot escape that. We don't have that option. And so we have God's mercy instead. We have God's mercy that floods over us, that floods over our lives, that covers over every mistake, every shortcoming, every failure, every wrong and angry word we've said, every terrible thought we've had. Every secret we've covered up, every addiction we've never been able to kick, God's mercy floods over it all. Because the moment you think that God doesn't want to use you because of your sin, you can guarantee that that's a thought of your spiritual enemy and not of God. Because you do not have the option to be without sin. I do not have that option. Yes, we should all be aiming to not live in sin, to, to give that to God, to be walking in the light, walking in righteousness. But when it comes to how we view ourselves and our identity, it's a scale that we, we make up from less sinful to really sinful. We would put Hitler on this side and Jesus on this side. But my favorite quote actually came from John Bono. And he said, we're all Christ and we're all Hitler. We all have good. We all have sin. There is no one that is void of that. And so erase the scale on your mind that tells you where you fall on that. And just embrace the fact that you're human and that God wants to use you anyway. That his plan A is you. That you don't see all of the things God is doing in the world around you right now. At your job, when you walk out and go to lunch, you don't know what God is doing in that waiter or that waitress's life. You don't know where their life has been that maybe at that exact moment that you feel this little call to God to just say, hey, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? You have no idea if that could change that individual's life because God is in the middle of an entire work in that person's life and all he's asking you to do in that simple call is step in. 
But if you haven't embraced the mercy of God, if you haven't accepted his forgiveness, if you don't believe that he wants to use you, we miss it. We miss it. We have our blinders up and we miss what God is doing in this world. We miss his plan A that is just changing everything. We see in Jonah chapter one, we see the pagan sailors that Jonah was on the boat with. It, it specifically mentions that they had idols and graven images and they were praying to unknown gods. But by the end of that chapter, when they had seen the work of God, it says they were worshiping him and setting up altars to him, to the living God of Jonah. We see the Ninevites, we hear so much about their evil and their sin and had their murder. And what does God do? He doesn't destroy them. He sees that with a word, they would turn. And he has compassion on them. His mercy is for them, even the most evil of, co of countries, of cities. And then we see Jonah, supposedly this prophet of God, this high-standing person in Israel, directly disobey the word of the Lord. He could have, he, we, there could have been a verse in Jonah chapter 1 where Jonah said, I want all of the Ninevites to die in a firestorm. And it probably would have been accurate. Jonah did not want them to repent. Jonah wanted them dead. His heart was not far off from the evil of the Ninevites. He wanted them dead, but instead, God didn't. God wanted compassion for them. And when Jonah said no, he had mercy on Jonah, and he gave Jonah another chance. And I believe if Jonah got back in a boat, there would have been another fish. Because God gives us multiple chances. He doesn't call us out on the one time we failed and say, you messed up. He's the God of a second chance and a third chance and a fourth and a fifth. And in the moment where you think you've messed it up and you're following the line of all of your actions and how that's going to affect your life. And you say, well, I've messed it up. Look at this. There's nothing that could be done. God is already on it. He's already on how to fix what you've done. He's already on how to turn your sin into a blessing. He's already on how to take your mistakes and use them for good. He promises it, but we have to believe it. We have to come to him and ask him for mercy, acknowledge our sin, acknowledge our mistakes. Be humble before the Lord and he'll exalt us. He'll give us his mercy and he'll call us in to show us mercy. And then he'll ask for our help as he calls another in and shows them mercy. And that is, it's God's plan for redemption. Would you bow your heads and join me in prayer? <sighs> Heavenly Father, this is, God, I know for some of us, for many of us, I know for myself, a challenging message. A challenging message that goes beyond me. This is a message that is no longer about me learning how to read my Bible or pray with you or spend time in church and community. This is, this is real. This is how do I take what you're doing in my life and send me out. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you that like recycling, you are constantly taking our life, the good and the bad, the mistakes, the successes, and you're using it for good. You're constantly renewing our lives and using it for good. Should we just come and humble ourselves before you? And so, God, I pray for that heart among us. Would each and every one of us here today take a step closer to you in mercy? Would we let you call us in, draw us in? 
so you could show us mercy. And then, Father, I pray that you would send us out. God, I pray that you would use what you're doing in our lives to spark healing in someone else. God, I pray the freedom that you're bringing into our lives, you would use that to bring someone else freedom. God, I pray as you're healing our marriages and our families, that you would use that to help other families and marriages heal. As you're healing our sickness and our disease, would you use that to give us faith and encourage others who are dealing with sickness and disease? And as we just see a world that is so dark and evil at times, would we remember that this is your world? You created it. You run it, you own it, and you operate it. Father, would you teach us what you're doing? Would you show us the work that you are in the middle of in this world? And would you help us to step outside of ourselves and step into the work of your kingdom? We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus.